Jason Clark is no stranger to challenging roles. He allowed himself to be waterboarded to prepare for Zero Dark Thirty. He learned a Boston accent to play Ted Kennedy. And as a native Bostonian, I know how skeptical we are of those who try it. Now he's taken on the role of someone many of us have known professionally or personally for half a century, the iconic legend Jerry West in HBO's Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. I didn't know you were from Boston. I can't. I am so. And we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Uh, Congratulations on the series, actually, on, on your entire career. And uh, Jeff Perlman is a buddy of mine. Oh, he, of course, wrote. Yeah. Great writer, as you know, wrote the book Showtime uh, that the series is based on. And he told me, quote, Jason is the best cast role in the series. <laughs> I, hope, I hope Jerry West feels the same way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find well. <laughs> out. <laughs> how uh, how did you capture or try to capture the complicated man that Jerry West is? Yeah, you know, his book was a great starting point, and and I keep coming back to his book quite a lot. It's a very um, I've never really read a sports autobiography like it. You know, West on West, and I found it fascinating that he narrates the prologue, and then his son narrates the book, which was an even deeper thing. Because even for I keep thinking, imagining his son to read his father's words about what his father was going through, and he and he's very open. He talks about it's it's he wrote it to explore his own psyche, you know, in in Lou or in tandem with going to a therapist to work out why he is the way he is and then what got him to and and to understand who it and I love that 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 sense of self exploration of who I am and uh, that was the starting point and then there's so many videos out there and as you said everyone's got a Jerry West story and I kind of I sought them out some people knew I was doing it you know that I was playing Jerry and other people you know at golf clubs and at card games or at you know at even valets and at restaurants I just started kind of like picking them up and everyone is really open about it. And even though they're, they're quite funny stories about, how, you know, these this or he's that, but everyone that's met him seems to have a deep connection to the man. And, and that kind of stayed with me as well, that no matter what their meeting with him was, they're all very affectionate towards him, which I love. Yeah, he, I've been, had the privilege to get to know him myself over yeah. the years. I, call, I covered all those Celtic Laker games. He said that one time he told me he thinks that all great athletes are loners. The best are loners because you're out in the backyard, whatever you're doing, Wayne Gretzky shooting the puck, uh, him shooting the basket. And how did you capture both his um, glory of him and all that pent-up kind of anger and anguish? That's it's a great question. It's, it's similar, I think, to being an actor at times. You know, when you first start off, so in my family, you know, my father's sheep shearer and my mother was worked at school and also, you know, was clean and, you know, did four jobs. You know, that you, you're, nobody knows what, you know, they didn't know what an actor was or how you, so you, you, you start off as a loner as you go off, I'm going to go off in this big exploration and it really might not work out and it leaves you, you know, and then you go through, you know, so you're a waiter and people go, what do you do? Oh, I'm an actor. You know, what do you really do? You know, this, this, for me, there's kind of a sense of it the whole time that it, nobody believes it until you actually achieve it. Or they see you and they can respond. So the things that I can tap into similar and also a need to, you know, I love Jerry when he talked about that dirt court, you know, in, in West Virginia was the only place for him to go. And it wasn't just a love of the ball and the hoop. It was a need to just get away from everything that he was feeling at home and inside himself and his brother and all that. 
you know, having to go there and practice that discipline of just putting it in and focusing on something else would take him away. And it was the same for me in acting in a way as well. You, you know, it's, it's your only ticket, not just out of there financially, but it's your only ticket out of there emotionally and psychologically to, to go off and explore your life and to think, okay, there's, there's something else out there. It's in you know, all of us to want to, you know, to, to take what we've got and, and make more of our lives in lieu of what our parents gave us. Great athletes, uh, they remember the losses, that, you know, that they're driven to win. And, uh, you know, so many guys like never go to the Super Bowl until they play in it. What, what is the equivalent of that with acting? You know, I think it's an opposite thing in the end. You can't hold on to those things in acting because you will carry them with you, the bitterness or the rejection. You have to be able to walk through success and keep going in a way that because it's about what you bring to each role, you know, and yes, of course, you're going to be trodden on and you're going to have to knock on doors that dogs wouldn't pee on and do things, you know, to get to where you want to get to. But if you hold on, I've found if you hold on to the bad stuff, it's only going to bog you down. And people, people don't want it. And the character that you're playing doesn't want it. They're things that you put inside yourself, you know, to, to, to reference and to use and to build things on. It was funny though. I was at the Lakers game the other night with John C. Riley, and we're at the, you know, we're sitting courtside and before the game, the players are all hugging each other on the opposite teams, giving each other. I'm thinking, oh, Jerry, I hate this. There's players walking up and being nice to each other before a game. This is not what this <laughs> should be going at all. No, and that wasn't the way it was. Uh, believe me, Magic and Larry were not no, hugging. <laughs> no, well, Jerry makes a no, big point was... of it too, talking about, you know, you're just seeing this kind of thing. No, you're out there to win, you know, and then go home. And he never understood why, you know, why, why Wilt used to be friendly with. Um, Russell, off the court. Yeah, off the court. Bill Russell, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, I, I think he's the greatest champion in American history. You're right. He's got 11 titles, Olympic, back-to-back college. And uh, he co- he was a player coach for yeah. a while up in Seattle, and he quit doing it. And someone asked him, you know, why did you leave? And he said, I tried to treat my players like myself. Problem is, most of them weren't. <laughs> you know, I read his book on his friendship with Red Auerbach and I loved it. It was beautiful. And, he, and I think he narrated that himself too. And it was um, such a powerful man. I mean, you could just feel it, that aura of, you know, and, and um, yeah, his relationship with Jerry. There's this photo in Jerry's book with them two sleeping on the plane coming back from the Sydney Olympics. And Jerry's quote underneath is, you know, me, me, beating, me beating Bill in a, in a sleeping competition. <laughs> It's pretty interesting. You know, one, the trophy uh, for Russell, the trophy is named after him and the other guy's the logo. Yeah, no, I so. know. I mean, two titans. I don't, it's funny. I don't think people understand what it is to have been beaten that much by one man. and one, Not one man, but one team, but also identified through Bill Russell. You know, if you, you look at it now, it's all about numbers and who's posting this and who's posting that. But, but Bill Russell just drove that team. And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't win. You did not win. But tell me with Jerry West, did, did you uh, have to represent anything about him athletically? Like, did you have to, did you have to dribble left-handed? <laughs> we, yeah, we did a bit of that, actually. I can dribble left-handed too. We worked on, um, we had a, a basketball coach, Idan Ravine, who works with a lot of basketball players currently. And, and he was very, very out of it. He said, dude, you got to understand you're playing Jerry West. You know, so just, you know, you need to walk like Jerry West. You need to think like an athlete. You need to, there's, there's a way these men carry themselves. And particularly Jerry's, you know, his, his, his high window at the top, you know, and release points. There was a few things where we had to, um, I just shoot a couple of basketball things where Jerry goes out and just shoots hoops at home when he's not happy. And, 
and you know, and, and work it in towards that. And he found a great double that was able to move. I mean, it looks simple. It looks so simple, but it's not, as you know. How, how did you capture? I've been to that part of West Virginia, and that's you know that is Appalachia. How did you grab that accent? A dialect coach. I listened to a lot of Jerry. I listened to, you know, I find I work with a guy called Tim Monick, who's you know the, probably in my opinion the greatest dialect coach around. A lovely man who's you know been there for many many years, and um, and we will we work together very particularly. But we also find voices not just Jerry's, but um, Jim Justice. Now he's got a great accent which is a little bit stronger than jerry's you know so i would do jerry's i'd do one under it and then i'd do one a little bit stronger than it and just i mean hours hours leslie is it hours like tell me do you read things oh, no, i do read you... everything in it i have a i have like a two-hour warm-up on my iphone and i would do that you know i'll start off you know doing one and then then i'll do towards as we get ready to shoot properly i'll do i'll do six hours a day on that I'll do my dishes in it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll clean up the house in it. I'll organize something with it. I'll sit there and even read my newspaper while I'm just dr- doing my drills on my thing. Because it's not just about getting it, you know, once off. It's about having being able to do it for like eight, nine hours in a row. And then you start to feel, particularly because, you know, there's a lot of tape of Jerry talking, different ages in his life, you know, and you start to feel how they construct their thought, you know, and the, and the, and the phrases that they use. And then I'd start to hear on a couple of off-the-record things with Jerry swearing. You know, and I swear a lot in this, <laughs> you know, and I, and I was unsure about that. And then a few people bumped into it and they, you know, they confirmed, yeah, off the record, Jerry had a, you know, he swore a lot. He was a part of his vernacular, you know. And so, you know, I probably went too far, but at the same point, you know, that's, you know, we're a heightened version of, of the reality. Can you give me an example? Uh, you know, they say, what if you're on the Kentucky border, that that's got something there, the hunky doos or something. Hunky, well, you know, with Jerry, I think the thing is, look, I think, look, Leslie, I think the thing is. You can't think with your fingers. There's certain sounds, you know, that they make, you know, you know, and then, you know, yeah, then you get into the F's and the U's and the, you know, God, this shit, damn, fuck, Bill, what, you, what the fuck are you doing? You know, <laughs> and then you can take it too far, you know, there's some word like tomorrow, you know, Jim Justice has a very tomorrow, you know, I can no longer be your, you know, your Democratic governor. So tomorrow I will be, a, you know, now is, you know, there's just, you know, it's a one, you start to, and I think it's a foreign actor, you start to really appreciate like the sound of the voice is where you're coming from, your confidence, your life. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, you even, for, you know, for say for yours, you know, you can hear your education in your voice. You're not like a full on Bostonian. I mean, when I did Ted, in a very particular accent, you know, particularly in secretaries, you know, there's the certain words would be changed. And, and I love that. Tell me a Boston accent. You did really pretty well. I mean, as someone, the Globe reviewed you pretty, <laughs> pretty well. Pretty well, pretty well, pretty, pretty well. Well, Bostonians, we don't give it up easy. But um, <laughs> no, you don't give it no up and easy. I'll tell you the word everybody misses on is the Which word. One? How do you, in a Boston accent, say C A N T? I feel like I'm being setting up here for a trap here. <laughs> well, because yeah, everybody yeah. says they kind of say can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Yeah, but I can't. It, it, it isn't. It's, it's no, it's way back in the nasal. It's, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe I can't, can't believe it. No, go farther back. Can't. Yeah, further back. I can't like, believe I can't like, believe it. Like the philosopher, K-A-N-T. Yeah, can't. Yeah, can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah. That's how. But um, I think that uh, Appalachian, a lot of people don't get that right. So if you got that right, that's good on you. It's, it's a tough one. It's, um, it's, uh, it's a really wonderful accent. Like it gives up who Jerry is. You know, the, you know Zeke from Cabin Creek and a lot of that stuff. And it's, but it's part of who he is as well. And he's still a West Virginian. 
uh, is it a complicated um, aspect of it for you that the person you are doing who is an icon, who is living, doesn't want anything to do with it? Um, yes. I mean, look, yes and no. And that's a, that's a really good question, actually. Really good question. And it deserves to be thought of. You know, I reached out to him. I didn't expect with what I'd heard that he wouldn't. And I'm fine with that. I did it out of courtesy. And I was okay that he didn't as well. You know, I mean, I, if I was ever to sit down with Gerard, I'd love to have a nice glass of red wine and talk about just life. You know, I love his, I, 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 like, I like history. I like art. I like paintings. You know, a similar thing of like coming from nothing and, you know, and then you're quite, you know, being able to express yourself as you do it well and find out the things and explore life. But at the same point, that's just part of being Jerry West, you know, and being the logo and, and also, you know, what he's done and given to not just the sport, but this country. And then, of course, people are going to take you and interpret you and, and run with it and all that. So I'm sure he understands that, you know. I'm sure, you know, his family understand that. I'm aware that he's got children and they're going to watch their father being portrayed. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've worked hard to find where I was. I think the show, you know, is respectful of what this, this team and these individuals did for America and ultimately the world as well, you know, right up to Magic playing at the Barcelona Olympics with HIV. You know, it showed everything that, 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 that there's, there's a way to live with this and be with it. You know, don't panic. How did you um, play the character as he related to Jerry Buss, who was, of course, the opposite of Jerry West? He loved celebrity. He loved entertainment. Yeah. He loved yeah. naked women all around. Yeah, it was a great relationship. There was a photo at the end of, in, once again, in Jerry's book, which, I, which was kind of my touchstone. I think, you know, for, they're having a hug, Jerry, you know, the, the two Jerry's. And Buss is really giving himself into it openly, warmly. And Jerry West is a bit standoffish. And, and the caption that Jerry wrote was at the end of a very long and sometimes complicated relationship. You know, and, and that's, that was kind of the way it always went. You know, to begin with, yeah, you know, what the, what the dude? I mean, it even still goes on with the Lakers now and Jerry, like the relationship between owner and player or, or fan and player or fan and owner. It's hard to say, and you know, I love sports as well. I'm a big fan of a lot of sports, of who owns the club. Yes, you traditionally own it, but I'm still, you know, him and Elgin Baylor in a way made the Lakers as well as Jerry Buss, as well as Magic and thing. So there's part of that. Of course, it's going to be complicated with this guy that signs the checks, and of course, you've got to go there. But what the F does he know about F and basketball to begin with? But then it turns out he knows a lot about what it is to put together a team and to create something as well. You know, Buss. He didn't just buy the Lakers. He built in and, and ushered in a new era of, of what we know as sports. I went out to do a story on him when he owned the tennis team, when he owned Pick Fair and he owned the tennis. And you could see that he was dr just driving to be somebody. He wanted to be known. He told me that, uh, what was he, a chemist or mathematician or something? Yeah, so, yeah something like that. And he told me that he would go to bed at night and to fall asleep, he would multiply numbers. And I said, oh, like 280 times 356. And he said, no, like 900,045 times a million 126. <laughs> but he just was. Um, what the, what the? Yeah, he was. I mean, they, they're brilliant men, you know, they're, yeah. they're both in their own way. H how did you yeah. come to audition for it? I didn't. Um, I was the first person cast, actually, before anybody. Max gave me a call and said, listen, we want you to play Jerry. Um, yeah, they, they were talking about a lot of the things that, you know, Jerry is known for, that Jerry openly talks about. He's a complicated man, and he doesn't shy away from it. And you see now, I'm, I'm struck by how emotional Jerry is now, you know? 
He's a very gentle, you know, even though he's gruff and his reputation is like, yeah, you don't walk up to Jerry West lightly and just say, hey, can I have an autograph? <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, he's, he's, very, he's become emotional in, in his life and, and his understanding of, I guess, I don't know, a lot of things, who he is, what he was there, what he wished he'd done, what he wished he hadn't have done, you know, the times that he lived through, the person that he is, and, and, and you know, and he's also his, his, his need to stay in it. I, mean, I love also that out of everybody who's played the game for that long, Jerry is still the closest to it. Yeah. You know, and he's not wanting to be the logo. He's there, and it's like it's not about the money for Jerry for being with the the Clippers and all that. He just lo- he's he's a great observer and 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 giver to the game in a way. And I you know I I think that's just you know he, he's fell in love with it more and more as he's gotten older and older. You know, and I can I can imagine how for years it was that millstone. If I don't if I'm not superstitious, if I'm not mean and, and upset, or or if I'm not hard on myself, I won't be able to perform. You know, you get scared. You get scared like that with acting. If I don't follow these things or if I'm too open, if I'm too confident, like, you know, if I'm too relaxed, you know, I'm not going to be able to deliver. And, you th- and then at one point, you've got to let that go. Did you ever have a time that you were so consumed with winning either one role or doing uh, that kind of, yeah, really? Tell me. Oh, man, there's, there's just, in this business, there's so many of them. You know, Leslie, it hurts. It hurt deeply. And that's that's the fun, you know, to care but not to care at the same point. You know, when when action is called, you can't be hanging on to things of what you want to do. It's alive. It's on. It's going. You know, the camera doesn't miss anything. So you have to just go, care, you know, that, that thing of that relationship of just being able to work so hard but then just let it go. Um, and with roles, absolutely. I remember, you know, one that really put me into a deep depression was Lord of the Rings. You know, they were shooting that in New Zealand and I, I loved that book forever and I worked, I did so much work on that and I really just wanted to be part of it. I remember when I didn't get anything in that, I, I was just, I fell in a hole and then you, and they become lessons of like, you know, that's just the way it's going to go. The Ferris wheel comes down sometimes. <laughs> the Ferris wheel does come down, you know, and, 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 and that is the reality. You know, that is, you know, sometimes you can't, the scene ain't going to go the way it should go or the way you think it's going to go. It, but then it takes on its own life if you're still committed to it rather than thinking about, oh, my God, I feel, oh, why didn't I do that? I should have done this. Or this. There is no should have. No, and also scar tissue. I, I was always the first woman, first woman in the NBA finals, first woman, final four, all those things. And so I have so much scar tissue where I had to sort of, uh, tell myself that the passion outweighed the hurdles and that, um, gosh, I'm still being paid to go to Wimbledon. So that's really great. Even if <laughs> I love tennis, don't you? Have you, you been to oh, Wimbledon? I've, you know, I've never been, I've got to oh. take my mother before she gets too old because we used to, that was the one time when I was a kid, she would let we had one a small little tea, black and white tennis. We'd sit up and watch Borg and McEnroe and Hannah Mandlikova and Martina Navratilova. And, you know, back in those days where we'd, we'd just, and Chris Evert, where, I'd be able to sit up in two or three in the morning. She'd wake me up and we'd watch those great finals. You know, I, I saw the Borg back in her finals. And you have to love Ash Barty. Oh. Oh. Yes, that's no, I, I, I would know. marry her. I mean, I'm <laughs> married to a great guy, but I would marry Ash Barty. Great. <laughs> <laughs> she loves she loves the sport, Ash. But, I mean, you know, yeah, you look at you look at the size of her and the way she plays. It's phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, because those girls are hitting the ball hard. Yeah, and she's crafty though. She she plans it out like a chess move. You know, I'm going to do yeah. this. 
then I'll do this. Well, you, you have to, yeah, you play. I mean, once you get, yeah, but that, that's, it's so hard and so deep. You have to take advantage of those angles and step in at the right move and grab, look for that backhand. That's gonna go. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's just, just phenomenal. It's wonderful. Does acting have the equivalent of, Mike Tyson used to say, talking about Ash Barty crafting a point, uh, Mike Tyson used to say, um, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's I the greatest. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, started to I saw Mike Tyson was sitting opposite me at the at the LA Lakers game the other night. Um, I love that quote. Everyone's got a plan until they get hit. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, and pretty much. And I think, you know, when you box, the difference between me as an actor and the guy I'm training with, you know, who's a heavyweight champion, is that he's prepared to take the hit. You know, he's going to give you that to get that. Whereas I'm not. You know, I'm really not prepared to take that punch. It's going to break my nose. So I can, I can knock you out or I can get the thing, you know, and that's that. So in acting, yes, as a professional today, yeah, I am prepared to do this. Something still really hurt. Something I did, you know, something I did recently, I was about to do collapsed at the last minute. You know, I mean, it was a six month job. It was a great job. I was preparing for it and it fell over, you know, a big studio thing. And it just fell over one day and you get a call and you just go, holy moly. And then, uh, you know, after a couple of months later, I'm now doing Chris Nolan's film instead, you know, his new film. So there's things that you kind of, you, you got to be patient with and you got to wait for. And then that barrels down to the minute of a scene of like, it's a live situation, which is why I love a guy like John Riley. It's alive. We've, we've, we've worked as, as, as much as we're, we're working and it's there or it's not, but let's just go together. You and I and trust that when we jump into the water, the river's going to take us because we're, you know, we're, we're together. And, um, and those are the lessons that you've got to learn because if you can't take that punch, if you, you know, and you've got no plan, well, you, you should be in the ring to begin with. You're done. Does uh, acting have the same, obviously, there's so much adrenaline in sports. Even though acting's scripted, does it also have that adrenaline? Yeah, of course it does, yeah. And then you've got to be able to manage it because you've got to sit down while they turn around or move the lights. So it's a very much, particularly you see that with older actors and younger actors, it's like, Save your energy because when action's 40 seconds or 30 seconds and deliver, you know, and you get, when you get a big set, like the Lakers set, which was a huge, it was biggest Terminator or Planet of the Apes, you know, it's, it's on, you know, there's, there's 200 people standing around waiting. Before I let you go, you have to tell me, you have to set the scene of a son of a sheep shearer who went around to sheep shearing stations. You know, you know, the last time I did it, I was, I think I was 18 and I was failing at university and I had, you know, I had no money and it was like, go and work with your father, you know, in the sheds. And I had to, so I did. And yeah, you're driving out 10 hours in the middle of nowhere. It is so hot. It's 50 degrees up there and there's nothing around for miles. And it was really mentally very hard for me getting up at the crack of, you know, dawn. You know, if I hadn't washed my clothes from the night before, I had to wear dirty clothes because I was too tired and lazy or grumpy, you know, because I wasn't accepting my my fate at the moment. You know, and, and, and over the course of a couple of months, yeah, I left organized and, and desired of like, yeah, I'm never going to go back there again. So you know, that's no disrespect to my father. Was your dad, was he a good sheep shearer? That was a great sheep shearer. You know, it was very hard even to watch your father work so hard manually you know, to put food on our table. It made me appreciative of, of a lot of things of like, you know, my father, he did it. He dug deep, you know, he, he also dreamed of, you know, green golf courses and that, and here he was out, you know, in the middle of nowhere and, and busted. Tell me some of the physical 
aspects of, of the roles you've taken, like for Everest, what did you do for that? I climbed a lot. I went with, with Rob Hall's old buddies and climbed in New Zealand a lot, actually, in his old stomping grounds, Mount Cook and the Tasman Glacier. And then we also did Ben Nevis in, in Scotland in the biggest storm they had in 100 years. It was great. Oh, my God, it was so exciting. It's a great sport, but at the same point, it's like, oh, my God, it can just end, you know? And you think, you know, I looked at some of my photos when I was up at the top of these mountains and it's like, yep, that was ice, Jace. Your crampons were there. You didn't really have, you know, the ability to be up that high in those kind of conditions. It's just like, ah. Were you a physical kid? I mean, you probably loved yeah. cricket. I don't know. Did, yeah, did, cricket, football, so. tennis, athletics. You know, we grew up in the countryside, so that's all there was to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I played a lot of tennis and a lot of Australian rules football. My, my cousin, who was my age, he was a professional player in the end. Who's your soccer team? Arsenal. Me too. Ah! Oh my God. I was so afraid you were going to say Man U, even Man City. I don't like Man City anymore either. Oh my God. I'm crazy for my husband for a wedding present, got great seats for the Arsenal Man U game at Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. And how about, you know, until people experience it, that you see that they have high barbed wire, yeah. you know, for the little section that yeah. man you would yeah. get. It gets very funny because, you know, at the, at the basketball the other day, I've been courtside before, but I've forgotten. You're right there with the players. I mean, they're bumping into you and they're shaking your hand and, um, and they're talking to the players. I mean, at, at football games in, in, in Europe, poof, there's no way that happens. You know, so it's, it reminded me also that from various point of view, they're actually very well behaved. There might be a bit of banter, but, no, but truly, because if that was even in Australia with the football, you're not that close. It gets, it can get nasty, you know. And, yeah, that's true. I mean, we've nasty. had they've had some melees, the malice. They've had the some, palace, they've had some you know, but I'm telling you, for the proximity and the and the correct. space, it's really well behaved, like really well behaved. Maybe it's because it's so intimate that people actually go, you know, you're right there, man. I can see you. So just, you know. But I was, I was really impressed. I thought it was great. Okay, do you take the tube out to Arsenal games? I do. Well, yeah, before the old pandemic, yeah, we used to go because there's a pub up there, the, the World's End. You know, you go and you sit down and have a couple of lagers. And then I've done, I went all around Europe once following them in the Champions League. There's a couple of, I know the people at the club and they give me a bit of love and sort me out, but I've traveled with them singing the songs, you know. It was great. Oh. I was in Bayern Munich, no, at Borussia Dortmund when we were top of the league and we beat them in the Champions League, like, you know, like five, six years ago now. Uh, oh yeah, the tube home, and we're seeing we are top of the league. Say we are top of the yes. League. <laughs> oh God, I just I have to get to know you now, Jason Clark. So oh, good. Um, really, let let me thank you, and and for the listeners, you know, you are so skilled at disappearing into every role, which I think is the ultimate accolade for an actor. And I just can't wait to see this one. And will you come back on? I'd love to come back on. There's a lot of things we didn't talk about. We can talk soccer. When you play Bill Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to play Bill Russell. But, I mean, what a man. I mean, I love you know, all their writings. Bill Russell, Red Auerbach, Kareem's book on his friendship with Wooden. I mean, I, I, this, doing this really touched me. It really, you know, Jerry's moved me. I think you have the same thing that I do that I always say that sports is the ultimate passport. I mean, it took me, I went back with Martina the first time after she defected. She'd been a non-person, but she went back under the umbrella. You're going to love this story. She went back under the umbrella of the Federation Cup, which is the Women's Davis Cup. So she went back to Prague first time. And of course, um, checks anybody Russian. If you defect, you're a non-person. She'd won, I think then five straight Wimbledons. And not a word had been written. 
So of course it was some crappy airline, Malive, you know, some Hungarian thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had no jetway, so she had to come down the stairs. And there were thousands of people who had defied the Czech government and they went to see her come down and it was raining and they were whispering, it's the great Martina. That's super cool. So I think acting, you have the same thing, don't you? It is It is universal. Yeah. Yeah. I've been everywhere and I really love that. I really do. I love Martina Navratilova. I grew up with her too. That was my mom's favorite player. Well, when you come visit me, I live in Florida in Miami. She lives about a half an hour. I see her. I all would the time. love to meet her. Yeah, you would love it because she is fierce. <laughs> Mother would be very impressed with a photo of me with her. <laughs> You're no, so no, funny. really. God, thank you, Jason. Really, really can't wait to do it again. Thank, thank you very you. much. Really, a pleasure. And that was my conversation with Jason Clark. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today on Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you stream your podcast to enjoy new episodes every week. In Conversation with Leslie Visser is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network and is available on the SXM app included with most subscriptions. The executive producer is the great Andrew Emmer, sound design by Robert Moore, and special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Talk to you next week. Sirius XM Podcasts.